if you would. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter number, uh, chapter number 9 is where we're at. And uh, don't forget, those little cards are out there. And if you're doing random acts of kindness, uh, simple acts of kindness, write something down on those cards and pin those on the board. I'd love to see that board get completely covered. I think it'd be a neat thing to see. But uh, tonight, we want to get into this Bible study. And I've entitled the, uh, the lesson tonight, and hopefully you'll see this. I've entitled it, Assess and Adjust. And we're going through this series on Wednesday nights when I'm, when I'm able to be here on just making courageous decisions. Tonight we're going to talk about the eighth one of those decisions. And a lot of times in our life, here's what I've realized is if, if you're living your life from time to time, you've, you've got to step back and you've got to kind of look at your life, where you're at, and you need to assess what's going on. And you know what happens when you make assessments, then you have to adjust. Uh, if you're like me, especially the older you get, you have, to, you have to be making some adjustments. You have to assess. And it's amazing when you look in the Bible, you find a lot of those very same things in the Word of God. And one of those people that realized, hey, I need to assess my life and make some adjustments was Solomon. Uh, we, we know quite a bit about Solomon from the Word of God, so we're going we're gonna to stay here in Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 tonight, but as we get started, look at verse number 7, what it says here, the Bible says, Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments be always white, let thy head uh, lack no ointment, live joyfully with a wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life, uh, of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, uh, for that is thy portion in this life, and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Now, as you get into this passage, and there's a lot of great things here, of course, a lot of wisdom here that we'll, we'll look at tonight, and I'll try to do justice, but I, I love this chapter. There's a lot of good, meaty things here, but I, I want to start tonight by asking you a few questions. One of those questions is, if you found out that your last year of life began tomorrow, if you found out today that you had one year left to live. I wonder, what would you do differently than you're doing now? I mean, you know, it's, it's a fair question. If I had, you know, because a lot of times you hear people say that they had some regrets with their life, okay? And is it not true that most of us live like we're going to live forever, Right? And, and, you know, I think, as, especially as we get older, things start to fall into perspective in our lives. We start to look at things a little bit differently. But if we had one year left, would you regret how you lived this last year if you found out tomorrow that you've got one year left? Boy, I just wasted an entire year doing this, or I should have done that, or I should have been a part. You know, all of those things that you could fill in for yourself, would you have regrets? Would you change anything about how you're living right now? And again, rhetorically, if you, had, if you knew you had one year left, what would you change? What would, what would you, 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 you know, okay, I, I know for a fact that I only have one year left. What would I do differently? What would I change? 
And, you know, a lot of times people make choices about how they're living their lives. Uh, on uh, Brother Chris and I, we've been, I've just been trying to get a little bit uh, more familiar with some of our local law enforcement. And I just feel like it would be a, a blessing to our church and the community. And uh, I found out through one of, one of the uh, sergeants in the police department that they have a Citizens Academy. As a matter of fact, if any of you ever want to do it, you, you're welcome to do it. Uh, every police department, sheriff's office has Citizens Academies. And you can go and sit. Uh, the one we're going to is about 14 weeks long. We're going on Thursday nights. Uh, it's like twice a year. And so we're, we're doing that. And, and so the other day, uh, everyone that's in the class, there's about 35 of us, we get to go on a ride along. And uh, so I, I got to go on Monday night. And uh, I was with a, one of our local police officers, uh, Officer Rivas, for eight hours. And I rode, I rode in his car for eight hours. Every time he stopped, every call he went on, I got out of the car. I had no gun. I, he, said, he said, you're fine. He says, I'll tell you if you can't get out. He goes, but just stay behind me. He says, and you'll be fine. And so he didn't want to use me for a shield or anything like that. And, and so it was really good. We got a call. And uh, he actually said it was a little slow. We had a few things that we did. It was a very interesting night. It gave me a different perspective on what some of our police go through on a daily basis. And uh, so we got this call, and uh, he was patrolling pretty much kind of around the mall area. And uh, there were six officers during that shift, that Bravo shift, and they were, uh, we were out, we were all, uh, kind of close to the mall. He got a call that there was some shoplifting at the mall. So we went over to the mall, and he says, well, this will take about a half an hour. We walked in. We didn't walk out until two and a half hours later. Two uh, boys, a 19-year-old boy and a 24-year-old boy, had gone into one of the stores in the mall and uh, actually took in the devices to take the detectors off of the clothes and started putting them in a bag, and they were getting ready to walk out with about $260 worth of merchandise. And uh, I was in the back room. I, I was in the room while they were interrogating them. I was, everything they were doing, they were trying to get them to, you know. And here's the amazing thing. The 24-year-old kid, his birthday is today. And right now, he's in, he's in the jail in Fort Lauderdale because he was on probation because he did something similar a year ago on his birthday spent a year ago birthday in jail. He's in jail today. And the year before that, on his birthday, he was in jail because of something he did. I didn't know until the, we, we took him over to the, the police station in Hollywood off of Pines. Uh, the entire ride over there, the police officer's printing off. I said, what is that? Because he got a little bitty printer in his car. I said, what is that you're printing? And he goes, that's his rap sheet. And it ran the entire time. We got there. He started folding the papers back and forth, back and forth. I said, How, that's all that kid? He goes, yeah. He goes, he has 27 arrests. I found out, I found out not, not, a, not a good thing. I found out that Broward County is the most lenient county around for people getting off. They've got, a, they've got some woman who's a magistrate that just lets, slaps people on the wrist, lets them go time and time again, but I said to those boys, maybe I shouldn't have because I'm not a police, I said, guys, it's time for a change. You know, can you not see a pattern here? You know, we were walking out and the guy, the one I was wearing, they give us these little wannabe cop shirts, you know, and it's, it says Citizen Police Academy on it. And so I was looking as official as I could, you know, I didn't have a bulletproof vest. 
And, and the one tall kid says, he goes, so, he goes, you want to be a police officer, huh? And I said, nope, nope. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm a pastor. You are. He goes, praise Jesus. That's what he said. You know, like I did something there, you know. But here's the thing is, is that it's, it's time that, that, you know, I told those guys, it's time that, that, that you have a change in life. And, you know, a lot of times we think about changes. But look, if, if you knew, listen now, if you knew that you had a year to live and you thought to yourself, well, I'd change this, I'd change this, and I'd change this. Okay, you with me? But let's say you don't know you have a year to live. Would you still make those changes? And what would those changes be? Why not, why not, why wait, why not make those changes now? And that's kind of what Solomon is getting at here. You know, he's, he's talking about things that are important in life. There's, there's a lot of things. Look, they're not all bad things. There are bad things in our lives, you know, because of sin. But some things are good, but some things are best. And we have to decide in our lives, well, what are the things that are valuable and what things are not quite as valuable in our lives. Somebody said a well-lived life is intentional about what is valuable. So you and I, we need to think about what are the best things. What are the things that God would have me to be doing? And Solomon, here in this chapter, he's challenging us to learn a lesson that he learned himself. And here's the lesson. He learned about the brevity of life, how short life is. I can still remember when I was younger thinking 50-year-olds were old. 50 is not old. You know why? Because I'm 50 now, you know? And, and you know, you, you think about life, and what it does is it causes you to assess and to adjust things in your life, and that's what we have to do. And so tonight, I just want to look at a couple principles from Ecclesiastes 9 that, listen, helped me this afternoon while I was going through it. You know why? Because God's Word is profitable. So here's the first thing I want you to see is we've got to understand the motive the motive. Now, here's, here's what we see. Look at verse number two of this chapter. He says, all things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked. Does anybody know where he's going with this? What's the one event? Yeah, death. Now, a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. All, all of us are going to step through death's door unless the Lord comes back and calls us home, right? Every last one of us. And hopefully, uh, Brother Flynn last Wednesday and this coming Wednesday is not talking about you because he's dealing with what the Word of God has to say about the unsaved. Hopefully, you're going to be on the other side of that thing. But here's what we've got to see is there is an event. And when you think about our motives, what is a motive? It's something that causes us to act in a certain way. That's what motives are. And, and those two boys at that mall, their motive was they wanted to steal some clothes. Uh, they, they wanted to get some items and didn't want to pay for it. That was their motive for going there. So I want you to see, first of all, here that as he's telling us here in verse number two, death happens to, to us all. It happens to us all. There's one event unto all. Solomon also says there, all things come alike to all. That includes physical death. Now, again, it's not a popular subject to talk about. But look, when it comes to being a child of God, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's not a bad thing, but again, no one escapes the certainty. And that's what he's talking about is no one's going to go around death. Everybody's going to experience it. 
And he says, we've got to understand our motives. And when it comes to living the Christian life, here's what Solomon's dealing with is he's talking about the grace of God, how good God's been to us uh, in the life that we've lived. Even though oftentimes we don't deserve it, God's grace motivates us. What it does is it helps me to realize I need to be living a godly life. And if I'm living a godly life, listen, here's the key. It's driven by the love of God that compels me to have a love for God. See, God's love helps me to love God. You understand? The Bible says He loved us before we ever loved Him. So my motive is, look, God has loved me. God's grace has been good to me. And so God, look, in the Word of God, look here, Mark chapter number 10. God promised that He was going to reward those that follow Him. It's a, it's a blessing and a promise from God. Look at this example, Mark 10. Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, nor brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold, notice this phrase, now in this time. That's Look, folks, that's, that's not talking about heaven. It's talking about in this life, but let's read on. He says, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and, now look at the rest of the statement, and in the world to come eternal life. So God's promise that, yeah, this event, it's going to happen to all of us, but he says, look, in spite of that, he says that in this life, I will bless you for living a life that's pleasing to me. That's what Solomon's getting at, is that our life needs to be pleasing to God. We serve God because God loves us. And what compels us to love Him is, is this. Look, is not God good to us that His hands are always open to us? Look, look at me for a second. This is not God. This is God. God's hands are always open. You think about how many times we see people that have needs, and look here, here's what we do. That's not God. This is God. And if we're going to please Him, we have to understand that we need to be more like Him. You know the verse in Romans 5, 8, God commended His love toward us. Get it now, in that while we were yet what? Sinners. That, that changes everything, folks is look, while we were in the gutter, while we were living in sin, God's grace, God's favor was bestowed upon us. Uh, our Christianity, your life as a child of God, it, you know what it's based on? It's based on grace. It's based on a love relationship. It's not based on our behavior, and it's not based on our acceptance. I can give you an example of this, because when you study the Bible, here's what you find. I had a young man that I talked to after the service on Sunday. I walked out, I was standing in the foyer, and I normally try to greet people as they were leaving, but I had a chance to talk to this young man. It was the first time I'd seen him here at church, and I, I started witnessing to him. I was talking to him and uh, trying to find out where he was spiritually. And he said, you made it. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, argumentative. He was a great young man. Uh, and, and he said to me, you made a statement in your message. That meant he was listening. And he said, you made that comment about that if, if you're not a Christian, that your father's the devil. That's Bible. And so it gave me, it gave me an open door to talk to this young man and explain to him, by the way, everything I shared with him, he listened, 
uh, he, he took it in, uh, and I, I encouraged him. I actually, he doesn't believe the Bible's the Word of God. He believes it's a book of man. He believes man just wrote the Bible uh, in his own words, their own opinions. A lot of people hold that. And I told him, I said, look, it's, it's a faith matter to believe the Bible is the Word of God. And I said, I can't settle that for you, but I said, I can tell you this. Why don't you do what I did? I started reading it. There's been a lot of infidels that have read the Word of God, and now they're Christians. Because the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any, any two-edged sword. And so I had a great conversation with this young man. And as I talked to him, here's what I told him. I said, if you are saved, you're a child of God. God is your father. That's why the Bible says that the devil was my father. But he's no longer my father. Matter of fact, he's, he, he's my foe. And I had an opportunity to explain that to him. You know, I think of being a, a, a father, a physical father to my children. There's blessings that I bestow upon my children as a father. I love to give to my children. I love to give them gifts. But listen, when I give them gifts, I don't give them gifts based on their behavior. I give them gifts based on our relationship. You understand what I'm saying? God, God bestows gifts upon us. You know why? Because we are his children. Okay, very important that we understand this. And what we need to do is, as I believe my children do, is my children honor me as their father. They obey me. For the most part, they obey me. And listen, that relationship that we have together, you know what that is? That's, that's the reward. And when you think about God, the relationship we have with God, that's the greatest reward that I can think of out of anything in life, is to be a child of God, to have a relationship with the God of heaven. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And look, mature Christians, somebody put it this way, they said mature Christians don't obey to be blessed, they obey because they're already blessed. That's why they're obeying God, is God has already blessed them Look, God's goodness towards us is based on the goodness of Jesus Christ. Look, Jesus gave his life for us while we were yet sinners. We all know that it's not based on our goodness, right? Because what does the Bible say? There is none good, no, not one. Nothing good about any of us. But there's something good about Jesus. And I love the fact that, again, even though there is this one thing, death happens to all of us, that our motive should be because of this relationship that we have with the Lord, because of what God's done for us. And then notice letter B, that death can happen at any time. This is an event that can happen at any time. Uh, Miss Mickey mentioned a 38-year-old guy. Brother Tim, honestly, is a, was a walk-in miracle. The doctor said they couldn't believe that he didn't have a major heart attack and die. You know, I, honestly, outside of the Lord sustaining his life, I believe it was because they, the doctor said he had some of the strongest arteries that they had seen in a long time. They said his arteries were just like a young man's arteries. And I guess that helped even with all the blockage that he had. But look, I've known a lot of young people that have gone home to be with the Lord. Uh, we just had a funeral here for uh, Ingrid and Randolph's son, you know, 23 years old. And you think about how, again, the brevity of life, it can happen at any time. Life is short, the Bible teaches, and it's unpredictable. We don't know when. And when you think about it that way, that it can happen at any time, look, that doesn't mean you should be worrying about it. Here's what that means is that very thought that it can happen at any time should drive us closer to God instead of away from God. I'd like to know that 
that I'm living for the Lord. And look, in my life, I don't want to wait until I have a year or six months. I want to be living for the Lord, doing what God would have me to do. And that's, that's living a life of faith, being utterly dependent on the Lord. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 in verse number 11. He says, the writer says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not for the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. For man also knoweth not his time. There you go, right there. It's unpredictable. No one knows, even the Lord's return. No man knows the day nor the hour. And the Bible says here that no man, man does not know his time as the fishes are taken in an evil net and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. So you know what, you know what the writer is saying here? And by the way, this is God's word. Here's what he's saying in a nutshell. Make the most out of the life that God's given to you. I told Brother Flynn the other day, I said, I said Brother Flynn, because I've, I've been thinking about my mom and dad, my mom with Alzheimer's and all the stuff that she's going through, my dad with his cancer. I told Brother Flynn, I said, man, you and your wife are blessed. I said, I hope I have half my faculties if I make it to that age that the Flints have. And he said, Pastor, we don't take that for granted. You know, we all got aches and pains. But here's what God, you know, I, I like to get around Christian Brother Brady. He's, you know, I said, how's it going? Here he is. He's not even living in his house. He's living with his daughter and their family and that. And he's, he's like, Pastor, we got it better than most people do. You know, he's thinking about people in Puerto Rico. And he's thinking, we, boy, we got it great. And a lot of times, what do we do? We want to sit around and grumble and gripe and complain. But think about what your motive is. Your motive is God's loved you. God saved you. Uh, yeah, I mean, every one of us is going to have this event someday, but how are you going to meet the Lord someday is what Solomon is getting after here. And it's important that we see the, the, the importance of life here. So look, he talks about the motive. Number two, look at the mandate. Now, I think a lot of us know what a mandate is. It's a command. It's something that, that has been commanded to us. It's not a request that's been given to us by an authority. And of course, look, who is our authority? The Lord, Right. You stop and think about the Christian life. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Uh, you know, look, I'm just, biblically speaking, I'm an under-shepherd. I'm not the shepherd of this church. I'm the under-shepherd of this church. Uh, the Lord is the chief shepherd. Every one of us have an authority in our lives. And I know it's not popular to talk about authority because a lot of people really struggle with authority. I found that out even as uh, the, the police officer the other day, we were, we were over by the mall and, and I kept... I kept thinking maybe he was going to flip the lights on and just romp on it. You know, that's, that's what I was waiting for, you know. And, and he just kept driving. And he says, well, you know, we can only do it whenever we get certain calls. And I, I was like, okay. And I wasn't praying for one of those calls, but I was really hoping to get a call, you know. And, and, and so he's, all of a sudden, he never even said a word, flips his lights and just, you know, and we're doing over 70 miles an hour down hiatus road. And there's cars in both lanes. And do you think people would move over? Do you think people would respect the, that there's life? I mean, he's on their bumper with the lights flashing and, the, and you know, the, the siren, he's hitting the thing, woo, woo, you know, and they're not moving. And I'm thinking, you know why? Because people don't respect authority. And if people won't respect a police officer that's right there, they're certainly not going to re, uh, respect a God that they probably don't believe in or they don't believe that he's real. 
And so here's what, here's what Solomon's saying is, he says, look, I've been living my life. I've been doing my thing. I've been in charge of my life. He says, but I've realized because of the motives now that I see in my life, that life is precious. I need to make the most out of the life that God's given to me. He says, God has got some things that he has mandated to me. And those aren't, those aren't God requesting those things. That's God commanding those things. And that's what you got to see here. And I want you to look at it because in verse number seven of this chapter, again, he says, go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, drink thy wine with a merry heart for God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments be always white and let thy head lack no ointment. Now here's what he's getting at is he's talking about that our lives, honestly, they would be totally different if we were pursuing things that were valuable. A lot of us have, if I could put it this way, vain pursuits. Like, I, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy uh, playing golf. I'm not very good, but I only go out like two or three times, four times a year, because to me, it's, it's a vain pursuit. You just chase that little ball around. The biggest reason I go out, it, for me, it's a getaway. It's like going to uh, a resort but I only have to drive like 15, 20 minutes and I go out there and it's quiet, it's beautiful. I just have to watch for people like me that don't know how to hit one of those things because they'll hit them right at you. You just gotta kind of watch those types of things. But look, we need to understand what's valuable. I get around some preachers sometimes and they're talking about they're, they're selling cars on the side and they're doing this. No, 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 God's called me to be a pastor. God's called me to be a preacher of the gospel. I, I'm not here to do this, that, and everything else. We've got to decide what is valuable to God in our lives, and that's what we've got to do. And that's what he says here. Look at, as he, as he gives some of these commands, here's one that he says. He says in verse number seven, go thy way. Now, here, that, here's what he's saying when he says, go thy way, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to wake up and he says, I want you to choose God's way. Now, there's plenty to substantiate this in the word of God, but see, a lot of times, what do we do? Every man does that which is right in his own eyes, right? We don't want to do things God's way. You know, we want to do things our way. So look what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 6, in all thy ways, all thy ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Psalm 32, verse 8, God promises here, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. So here's one command that he gives is he says, I want you, I'm not asking you, I want you to go the way I want you to go. Then he says this, he says, eat thy bread with joy. Now, here's the reference there is, you study it out yourself. He's talking about, I want you to enjoy the life that you have. Now, he uses the reference there, eat thy bread with joy. He says, I want you to enjoy the life that you have. He references, look at this in, in the verse here. He says, God now accepteth thy work. If we are going in the way that God would have us to go, and we're enjoying the life that God has given to us, you know what that is? That's acceptable to God. That means God approves. God's pleased with his child that is listening and doing what he's asking them to do. He says, God accepteth thy work. Now look at the interesting statement. He says, talking about the white garments and the anointed head, anointing the head with ointment. It's kind of interesting because if you study the word of God, what do you see? When people are sad, what do they do? They put on sackcloth and ashes, right? But white is something totally different. It means joyful. 
that there is joy in the heart, that, that they're happy about the life that they're living. And the ointment on the head is a sign of approval of God. You see that oftentimes that they anointed David, the son of Jesse, and that there was God's hand was upon them. And that's what he's talking about here is when, when we, our lives line up with God's purpose for our lives, then what's going to happen is we're going to have a happy life and God's hand of blessing. How many of you want God's blessing on your life? I think everybody here tonight, right? Myself included. But we have to be doing the things that God would have us to do. And when I look at this and I'm reading about this guy that is, is instructing us, now it's God's word, but he's instructing us, hey, if you do what God's instructed you to do, guess what? You're going to be a happy person. You're going to have God's blessing. Now, I'm thinking to myself, because if you go back a couple chapters in the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm thinking to myself, is this the same guy? The, the guy that, that hated his life. The guy, listen, the guy, study it out yourself. The guy that regretted the day that he was born. This is the same guy. Now, you know what happened? Here's what happened. He took his eyes off of himself and he looked up. That's what he did. And when he looked up, guess what happened? His hope was restored. You know why many Christians don't have hope? They don't have joy because their eyes aren't up. Their eyes are down. They're looking at themselves. And here's a man, sounds to me like Solomon's getting smarter. You know, I think this is kind of interesting. You know the story of Solomon. He had about a thousand wives, right? I can't even imagine that. I can't handle one, you know, or she can't handle me, one or the other. But here he is. Now, here's what he, look at the reference here. He talks about uh, having the wife of thy youth. He says, I want you to enjoy the, the wife that you have. Now, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5.25, that we're to love our wives as Christ also loved the church. You know, he, he's telling us that in life, everything he does for God, that we should do it purposefully and we should do it passionately. You say, where do you get that from? Look at verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. See, you know, that, that spirit that Solomon began to have was the very same spirit that Jesus had when Jesus was on this earth. Look at a couple of verses here, uh, Luke 2, 49. Jesus said unto them, How is it that she sought me? Was she not that I must be about my father's business? He was passionate about doing his father's business. I love the Christian who says, Hey, look, it's not about me, it's about God. It's about what the Lord wants. Uh, here's another verse, John 9, 4. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Boy, if every Christian had that spirit and attitude, the house of God would be full, that we'd have, we'd have more people going out soul winning than we'd have maps and, and tracks for. I mean, it'd be a totally different thing if everybody realized, I must do what God's given me to do. He says, I've got, I've got a purpose for living, and I need to be passionate about it. You see the same spirit in Paul. Look in Philippians 3. I love this. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Here's what happened was Solomon was a self-driven man. And you know what happened to him? He looked up, and now he's a God-driven man. He says, Lord... Uh, listen, it, uh, I, don't, I don't know how much longer I'm going to have on this earth, but I'm going to spend the rest of my days serving you and doing what you want me to do. 
And that's what every one of us need to see is what Solomon saw, that we need to spend our life doing what God has created us to do, and we need to spend it loving it. You know, somebody, somebody says, uh, so you're a Christian. Yes, I am. You know, boy, our attitude ought to be, it's wonderful to be a Christian. You know, not a greater life. I can't, ima- I can't imagine not being a Christian, to tell you the truth, after 33 years. So look, Solomon says, look, you've got to see the motive on life itself. And then he says, you've got to see some of the mandates because he's not asking us, he's commanding us. But then look, at here's one important thing before he moves on to the next thought, which would be chapter number 10 is this, is he talks about the mistake. And I want you to see this because here's what a mistake is. It's an error in judgment. Oftentimes it's a carelessness in our lives. And it's interesting because look at verse number 13, how he addresses this mistake. He, he tells this little story, and I want you to look at it with me in verse 13. He says here, now look at what he, he starts, th- verse 13. This wisdom, so he's saying, God's been showing me some things. He says, this wisdom that, I, that I've seen also under the sun, it seemed great unto me. Now watch, here's this little story. There was a little city and, a, and few men within it. So small little city, and there came a great king, this this, this notorious king came against it. He was going to besiege it and build great bulwarks against it. So a little bitty city sounds to me like some king who, who, who thought, you know, hey, look, this would just be another notch in my, another feather in my cap. But honestly, some little city with very few people doesn't sound to me like it's that hard to overtake uh, a city of that size with just a few people. But look at verse 15. He says, there was found in the city a poor wise man. And he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Here's this king with this arsenal, and there's a poor wise man in the city that the one man delivered the whole city from this king. It says, yet no man remembered that same poor man. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. The words of wise men are not heard in quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. Now here's the mistake that he's talking about, and you've got to get this, is he's talking about the fact that it's God who enables us to do the things that we do. Would you agree with that? Anything we do in life, anything we're able to accomplish, it's God ultimately that enables us to, to do things. And one of the things that, that you and I need to realize as Solomon's helping us here is, is we're not going to be here forever, right? We've already talked about that one event. So the one thing that we ought to do, catch this, is God is enabling us so that we could invest in others, that we can make a difference. Because there's this big king who thought, I'm going to take this little city, and here's this poor little guy who was a wise man. The little guy made the big difference. See, he was the one that that saved that city. You might be sitting here tonight thinking, well, I'm not much. I mean, I'm just a little person. I mean, I really don't have much to give. Hey, listen, that's the same thing that maybe that little widow with the mite had. But she gave all. She made a difference. And in your life, you've got to see that just like Solomon, he's, he's trying to help it. God's showing him that, that he needs to deal on the things in his life that are valuable. And so he began, what does he do? He begins to assess his life. 
and he begins to make some adjustments in his life. He says in verse 13 again, he says, This wisdom that I have seen, have I seen under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. God's showing me some things. Look, folks, don't wait till the end of your days and say, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. I was with a I was in that preacher's meeting a couple days ago, and, and that's what one of the messages was, was all about, is how if we're not careful, we're going to lose a generation coming up behind us. Folks, if we lose a generation, then the work of God may not go forth. We've got to be investing in other people. Look what it says if you, in your notes here. If, you, if we journey back to Ecclesiastes 2, it says, There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. Now, that's, is that not the theme of life for most people? Eat, drink, and be merry, right? And die. That's what, and, and remember, this is the same guy that is writing here in chapter 9 that wrote in chapter 2. That was his attitude. Hey, look, life doesn't matter. Just live it up. Have a good time. But when he gets to chapter 9, it's totally different because he took his eyes off of himself, and he's looking up to God. But look what he says here in verse 25. He says, This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God. For who can eat or who else can hasten hereunto more than I? Here's, here's the mistake. Is we focus, listen now, we focus on the gifts instead of the giver. That's the mistake. We, we, we forget about... Because that money's in our wallet. It's in our bank, our banking account. And we think that's ours. And the mistake is, is that we love the gifts and not the giver. And, and many people have been guilty of this. Loving the gifts and not the giver. Wisdom comes from God and it helps us to have a greater impact. Look at Job 32.9. Great men are not always wise. See that verse there? Great men are not always wise. Neither do the aged understand judgment. So the question that I started with is this. Do you know what the purpose of your life is? God's given you a purpose. If, if he saved you and left you here, he's got a will for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. And this is a great chapter. Chapter 9 is a chapter, honestly, that will provoke you to assess your life, to think about your life, and then to make some adjustments. Somebody said, if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. And that's true. Somebody else will, will prioritize it for you. So the, look, do you have the right motive? Do you know the mandate, the commands that God has for us? And don't be guilty of making the mistake. It says here, the decision tonight is, everything that Solomon has been saying is, it's time to assess your life. You know, some of you are older in this auditorium, some of you are not so old. Guess what? Tomorrow could be the day any of us step through death's door. And so it's important for us to assess and make whatever adjustments that we need to make. And I just jotted this down. Look at it. Lord, help me settle the essentials in life. Be intentional about what is valuable. Give me courage to be resolved about what matters to you in my life. That, that's the one thing. Look, Jesus didn't have a problem. Now, I know people say he was God in the flesh, and that's true. But Jesus never had to think, hmm, I wonder what my father's business is. But you know, the truth is, if you're saved and you got a Bible, you shouldn't have to be thinking, hmm, I wonder what my father's business is. You should know what it is, and 
you should be doing it. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for this evening, for the Word of God. Thank you for this wonderful chapter, for every word. And Lord, I know we went through it kind of quickly tonight, but Lord, I pray that something that maybe they saw in the Word of God, something that was said, would help each one of us to think about we're not getting any younger, and one day we will all have that event but Lord, until that time, help us to make the most out of the life that you've given to us. Lord, help us to have, as it says there, the white raiment, the white clothes, to have joy. Lord, may we have your blessing in our life. And Lord, help us that we might be a wonderful testimony for you, that you would get all the glory out of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.